Hello and welcome to the Rocket IT Podcast. My name is Dan Fry and I'm really, really excited to be a guest host today because I get to do something that I think is going to be a blast for me. I get to hang out with two very good friends of mine, Matt and Maureen Hyatt, and the visionaries that were behind building an amazing business in Rocket ITs. So we're going to be able to talk about a lot of great things today that even I, as their friend, am looking forward to hearing because some of these things that I want to go over with them, I don't even know. So this is going to be, I think, an excellent podcast. You know, when I thought about it, um, I think all of us, whether we work for somebody else or we work for ourselves, always love to hear the stories of people that went out there, took a risk, built a great business and made it work. And Rocket IT has done that for 25 years. So it's, I'm very much excited to hear these two visionaries talk about where they came from, where they are, and where they want to go. So with that being said, I want to welcome my friends, Matt and Maureen Hyatt, to the podcast. Guys, how are you? Good. Thank Great. you. We really appreciate you volunteering. Yeah. This <laughs> was our show, right? <laughs> this so was random. a heck yes thing when I was asked. <laughs> this wasn't just a yes thing. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And, um, you know, you guys have helped me prep great. You know, we're going to cover like four primary quadrants. We're going to talk about those early days when, you know, when you think about business owners, early days are always the freakiest time. So I can't wait to hear about that. But then some of the obstacles that you guys have overcome, how you're going to continue to stay relevant and this day and age and where you want to go. And then maybe some have some fun before we get off this uh, this podcast. So, uh, you know, let's just let's just dive right in, if that's OK with you guys. You good? Yeah, go for go. it. All right. Let's look at those early days. So, Matt, you know, when did you decide like, hey, I think I'm just going to go out. I'm, I'm, I want to work for myself. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to work for somebody else. When was that for you? Well, you know, it's something that I thought about a lot. And I remember thinking about it as early as just being a kid. You know, I tell people sometimes I just remember riding the school bus, looking out the window of the businesses we were passing, trying to figure out maybe what kind of business I'd like to own someday. And so I think the seeds of it were planted early, yeah. uh, something that I considered quite a lot, uh, even as a kid. But it didn't really happen until later. In fact, I was 25 when I started this business. And so, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a gap there between the uh, early days of dreaming about it and the time it comes to actually execute. It was years that, you know, I worked in a uh, traditional job working for other people and kind of learning a little bit about business and leadership and uh, what it takes to work in a professional environment. That foundation was important as I got started and ready to start Rocket IT. Was there ever a time when you just got, almost got used to that environment and the the entrepreneurial itch almost went away or was that always kind of hovering in the background? Uh, that's a great question. I, I uh, sometimes wonder uh, what would have happened if I hadn't been laid off from my last job. Oh, wow. That's, you know, that's what happened is right. So I was I was working for a company in sales doing sort of uh, low level management. So rising, rising leader in that organization. Yeah. And I sometimes wonder, you know, because one day a guy showed up and uh, gave me the proverbial pink slip mm. and said, hey, we're letting you go. And it was uh, that sort of kick out into the street that I needed to work up the courage to actually go and start the business. So I do wonder that sometimes what would have happened if, you know, that that had never occurred if 
if I had continued working in that environment and making money, would I still be doing that today? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. you know, exactly what you just said is maybe what somebody out there really needed to just hear because, you know, we're kind of doing this right now at the peak of the COVID crisis in our country and layoffs have been pretty darn consistent in the last three yeah, months. True. So mm -hmm. maybe there's somebody out there that just heard, wow, you know, that was actually something Matt Hyatt was grateful for, not uh, mm -hmm. looking back and regretting because that might have been the catalyst to make you go do what you've done. So Yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's funny you say that. Uh, something I've been thinking a lot about lately, you know, Maureen and I are big fans of, of art. And so we go to museums and galleries when we're traveling around. And something I've been thinking about is what kinds of amazing new art we're going to see come out of this as uh, artists have been holed up in their studios uh, mm -hmm. and uh, had an opportunity to really think. And there's probably a lot of emotion tied to a lot of things that are going on in this world, not just COVID. Yeah. Uh, so same kind of thing. You, you might see an explosion. In fact, I bet you do see an explosion of uh, sort of the continued gig economy and folks uh, building uh, small businesses and starting them up right now because of necessity. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not working right now. I've been thinking about this idea and I've got a ton of time on my hands when I get started right now. And so you, you may indeed see a bunch of new businesses come out of that. You know, that is such an interesting perspective. I have not thought of it that way. Maybe mm -hmm. that gives us all a little bit of anticipation, right? Mm -hmm. Some good that can come out of the challenges that we're dealing with. So for sure. Excellent. So as far as uh, computers, like, mm. When did you get the computer bug? What was what was it that got you going in that industry? You know, uh, I had a couple of uncles uh, when I was growing up that were, uh, they had worked, both of them had worked uh, sort of electronics field. One of them was working for the phone company. Another one was doing appliance repair. And so they were both very technically minded. Yep. And they were the people that I knew that were sort of the earliest adopters of uh home PCs and game systems and things like that. And so, you know, one of those uncles uh, was close with my dad. And so we'd spend a lot of time with that family. And I remember that was the first time I ever saw the Pong video game, you know, where you bounce oh, yeah. the ball back and forth. Uh, oh, yeah. First time I ever saw that was at his house. Uh, and that was also, he was the first person I ever met that had a uh, home PC, a little uh, Texas Instruments computer that he had set up and, I was just fascinated by that. I thought that was so cool uh, to have uh, effectively, you know, we didn't think of it this way, but, you know, it's different than a TV, which is not interactive. You know, a TV, yep. you just sit there and watch what happens on the screen, but with a, with a computer, uh, very interactive. You know, sure. in order to have anything happen on the screen, you've got to type something in and you can get a response from what you typed. And I just thought that was really cool. And so uh, that was probably an early start and then later we moved and uh, ended up moving next door to another uncle and uh, my cousin Andy next door had uh, had a computer and that I think it kind of sealed the deal for me because I got to spend a lot of time over there and we would do stuff on the computer together and my uncle was very instructive so he was happy to you know lend his advice and you know I'd go over there and ask him questions and he would show me stuff on the screen and I don't know I just I, I thought it was fascinating so that was kind of the early interest in computers. It wasn't until later that I kind of figured out that that might be what I wanted to do for a living. Sure. Uh, that was what sparked the early interest. Did it uh, drive your college experience? Was that what you studied in school? Well, you know, it, it did. Uh, so 
funny enough, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that. So I, I tell people, you know, I was a, a terrible student in high school. I really, I don't think I could have been more disinterested in what was happening in high school. Uh, I was not, not a good student. I was you know, just not particularly interested in what was happening there. And as a result, you know, my grades reflected that, right? Uh, I tell people sometimes that I was, I was the uh, 20% of the class that was responsible for the top 80%. <laughs> so, you know, I just, I, I didn't like it all that much, but, uh, when I was approaching graduation and I uh, did barely uh, graduate from, from high school, you know, what do you do next? And uh, back then it kind of felt like there's really only a couple of choices. You're either going to join the military or, or you're going to go to college. It's kind of feels like the two paths that, that are available. And I knew that I didn't take instruction well, so I didn't want to join the military. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and so I opted to go to college and because of the grades and finances and so forth, you know, four year university was out of the question, uh, but I could probably swing a, a stent at a community college. So I went to uh, a little community college down in Tampa and enrolled in school and they asked me what I was interested in. And I told them I was interested in computer science and they said, great, uh, we're going to put you in a an English class and a psychology class and an American history class. Oh, you said computers. Uh, we yeah. have some computers. Uh, I'll put you in a uh, Fortran. They, they literally had two. My recollection is they had two classes available in computers. And one was uh, Fortran uh, computer programming and the other one was COBOL uh, computer programming, both of which were already sort of ancient languages even back in the 80s. And so I enrolled in a Fortran computer programming uh, class. But I spent most of my time in college really, you know, doing the basics, the one-on-one stuff of you know, English and American history. Um, I did learn from that experience that I'm not built to be a software developer. You just, you got to have a tremendous amount of uh, patience uh, for that and a willingness to really kind of dive in and be super focused on, on a very specific thing for, for a good long time. And uh, there are aspects of that that, uh, ring true, but there are also aspects of that that are just not me. So that was helpful. But to fund college, uh, I was working two part-time jobs. I worked for J.C. Penney as a uh, bill collector after you know in the evenings, and then I also worked uh, part-time for a little software store at the mall called Babbage's Software. You know, so that was what I was doing to fund uh, my college. And Babbage's approached me one day said, you know what, uh, we're thinking about opening another store. This is a retail store at the mall, right? Yeah, yeah. We're thinking about opening another store and we need an assistant manager. It's a full-time position and we wondered if you'd be interested in that job. And I thought to myself, you know, what's the fastest way for me to learn about computers and management and you know, have a chance at opening a business someday? Is it to study American history and Fortran sure. at college or is it to take a job in management uh, in the software industry. And so I pretty quickly made the decision to drop out of college, quit my job at JCPenney and went to work full-time for Babbage's. And that went well. I went to work as an assistant manager and uh, within just, I don't remember exactly how long, three or six months or so, uh, they gave me my own store at uh, Tampa Bay Center. And <laughs> at the ripe old age of 19, I'm managing a little computer store, computer software store at the mall. And so I thought I had arrived. You know? I love it. You're big time. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but that, that was what kind of got me started in, in the IT field. 
a little side story. Uh, people used to come in the software store and they would buy the software, right? And yeah, yeah. one day one of my customers was saying, hey, do you know anybody that could come out to my house and install this uh, software on my computer? I'd, I'd be willing to pay. I think it was 25 bucks an hour is what he, what he offered, which was more than I made as the manager. And that was my first consulting gig as I said, well, right. I can do that. He says, I hope you would say that. So I ended up going to his house several times over the next year or so and just installing software for him and, you know, getting it set up. And that was probably my first, you know, income from computer consulting. I love it. That's when the yeah. service base started, right? Not just mm-hmm. the, not just the hardware right. software base. Love mm-hmm. it. So did that influence the business model? Like when you actually started to then go out and do your own thing? I mean, what was the yeah, game probably plan? Did. did it? Yeah, probably influenced a little bit. So my, my original business plan, I sat down, you know, after I was laid off, I uh, sat down and wrote a business plan. And that primarily was we're going to build and sell high quality clone PCs and, and we would deliver them on site to our customers. And uh, that would be sort of our competitive differentiator. You know, the place where I had worked before, we built PCs there also, but it was a retail environment. So customers would come to us, place the order. Uh, they go home for a week or two. We build the computer up for them and they come back and pick it up. And, you know, we give them a big giant box or three and uh, pat them on the back and tell them good luck. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, our competitive difference was that we would take them on site and set them up turnkey so that people could begin using the computers right away. And they didn't have to be technologists in order to know how to get things going. And so that part of it was probably influenced by my previous experience. Uh, but there was one paragraph, I remember, one, maybe even one sentence in that uh, business plan that said, oh, by the way, we'll also provide uh, computer services. So if we're out at somebody's uh, business and, and setting up a computer for them and they need help with you know, a switch or router or whatever, that we would do that too on an hourly basis. And so there was a small part of the business that was sort of service forward, mm. but it was originally going to be primarily we're going to build and sell expensive computers, essentially. You know, it doesn't seem that long ago. I mean, your story, <laughs> like I'm, I'm so I'm remembering You're those times, me. <laughs> and I'm still feeling those times. Like that seems like a couple of weeks ago, you know, and this is what over 25 years ago. So yeah, it was yeah, crazy. So when did the. Uh, the 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 beauty join uh, the business and and Miss mm. Hyatt sitting there next to you. When did Maureen mm. finally come into play and what was uh, what was Maureen's involvement in those early days? You want to take that one? Uh, I was there before. Mm-hmm. I was there when he was um, working for the little computer company here in Norcross. You were uh, there even before that. You I were was there, there before that. Yeah. yeah, we started dating. Uh, we were in Tampa and a month into our dating relationship he said hey i'm moving to georgia <laughs> come with this me this is not part of the story <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know he had enough of tampa and wanted to do something new so he left anyway so he came up here started working for this little computer business mm-hmm. and um i moved up the next year and yeah i was there I was there when he got laid off and mm-hmm. I was there when within a week he had a business plan and uh, had gotten a business license. I couldn't believe how fast I thought this guy's nuts. <laughs> this guy is nuts. She still thinks that. <laughs> I still think that and he's proven it. Um, but yeah, so uh, 
it's 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 been a journey for sure. So there's but, always uh, the there's always the risk taker, and there's usually the more methodical uh, mind that says, "Hey, have you really thought this through? Was that you, Maureen?" Probably, probably, but I didn't express it because he was pretty excited about it, and yeah. I didn't want to take the wind out of his sails. And I thought, <laughs> you know, who knows? Maybe it's cool. But, that's, uh, that's interesting because I'll tell you what I felt through <laughs> that. Yeah, was entirely support. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, entirely support. Yeah, it was all on the surface inside. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't know each other. Before. You know, we hadn't been dating very long, so yeah. I wasn't as invested as yeah. I became over time. But um, I did I did buy him his uh, first computer when he yeah. moved here. Yeah. Because uh, I was gainfully employed, uh-huh. <laughs> and he was winging it with his new business. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. So... You know, between moving to uh, Georgia and getting started in this j- new job and being in sales, which, mm-hmm. as you know, is feast or famine. Yeah. Uh, you know, all those things together. And then I would say probably just not very mature in my you know, financial endeavors. <laughs> Maureen, for sure, more, you know, the more mature out of the two of us, the more conservative <laughs> and well, physically, years older. physically responsible <laughs> of the two of us. So, yeah, when it came time to sit down and write that that business plan. I remember there were a few things that I needed to get started. And uh, one was a computer. And I remember one was a lamp, you know, for my desk, because <laughs> I just didn't have much, right? You know, 25 years old and probably should have had more, but, you know, in retrospect, probably <laughs> better shape than I was, but I was still living sort of the collegiate life, you know, cardboard box. Well, so. You had all your money in stereo equipment. Back yeah, <laughs> probably true. So Maureen did, you know, again, entirely support. She helped uh, help me kind of get things kicked off. And, uh, you know, I'm still paying that debt today. No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you always got the one that has the wind of the sails, right? The, the one that actually has to be supportive that gets you where you want to go. That's the thing. Uh, people people ask me sometimes where I would be without this lady, and I told them I'd be living under a bridge somewhere. Uh-huh. Uh, in a van down by the river? <laughs> pretty much, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to exactly. ask, was there ever a long hair phase for you? For me? Yeah. No? no. <laughs> you never had a mullet back then? I see you with oh, a oh, mullet. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, boy, here we go. Yeah. I was going to say, I have... Photos. I, I bet Maureen would enjoy telling yeah. the story. I'm going to let her tell. I know that's not part of the game plan here, but you know, I see you yeah, starting you're totally this going off script. I yeah. didn't know him at the time, but rumor has it, and I have seen photos, and his mother has confirmed that he did go through a phase where he did have the little, the little tail, a little rat tail in the back that that was dyed blonde. Yeah. Um, I didn't see that. I th- believe it was probably early high school. I, you know, just to be clear. If it weren't already abundantly clear, I've never been cool. How <laughs> <laughs> little about that? It was five it years felt, later. Mysterious cool is it what it felt is. Felt cool at the time. It felt uh, <laughs> felt dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be some sort of blast email go out, going out someday morning with mullet mad on it. I think. Oh gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever rocked the mullet. It's look, fun to but, talk about, but oh, I'm, it is, it I'm is. more loyal than that. I wouldn't out him. Some somebody sent a picture out recently. I can't remember 
We've, we've, so we've got a little audience here in our studio, and they are cracking up. <laughs> I think she was taking notes on her phone. Ah, uh, yeah. Note yeah. to self, find mullet right. hat picture. <laughs> but I did find a picture recently of me when I was younger, and I did have hair at one time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, I, was, I, rock. I was born this way and reverted quickly after I turned 20 or so. Let's dive into the challenging phase then. This has been the fun phase, but you know, no business. Everybody likes to think the business owners that have made it got it easy, but a lot of times they don't mm. like to think about what you went through to get where you got. So mm. when you think about it, especially in those early days, what kind of challenges were you guys really up against out of the gate? Good. So many. So many. Uh, yeah, I don't even know where to start. There are, there are a lot of challenges that we've worked through over the years. And, you know, and there's still, it's not like we're in a challenge-free environment. Now. Right, going through right. All kinds of stuff right now. Uh, so, you know, it's what I guess is better is we're better equipped both, you know, from a maturity standpoint and financially and with a team around us now than, than we were you know, 20 years ago. But, you know, I'll try to think of a, a few challenges that we worked through over the years. I do remember, you know, one time I was... Working at home and working out of our house. So this was probably around 2002, 2002 or so. Uh, so, you know, the business is six or seven years old at that point. And got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm ready to move out of the house and start hiring folks. Uh, I had done that once before. And, you know, that had its own challenges. But that season, I was working out of the house essentially as an independent consultant. Mm. But uh, decided to move out of the house and into an office and to start hiring folks again. And that took a lot of planning and, uh, and a lot of faith, really, that we were going to be able to carry it off. I remember one thing about that was that that move to move out of uh, the spare bedroom of our house and into a little executive suites office. So just you know, imagine a you know, 10 by 10 or 12 yeah. by 12 uh, office with a couple of desks in it. I remember it came furnished. Uh, had phones, uh, an internet connection. There was a copier, you know, down the hall, a break room and stuff like that. But that little room was essentially what we're renting. And the price to do that per month was more than my house payment. And so, you know, just <laughs> the courage to kind of say, okay, I'm going to go out and do this. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, you're going to hire a person. They're going to want to be paid. And, uh, and that's just another expense that at first is entirely a leap of faith and it's entirely expense. Yep. There's no income tied to that. Yep. Uh, well, and also, and also at this point, uh, we had two very young kids. We did. Yeah. I had quit my career mm -hmm. to be a stay at home mom yeah. mm -hmm. because this guy said, I think we can do it. And I thought, I don't see that, but okay. <laughs> Um, Again, all support. So all support. Yeah, we lost we lost my income, which was the steady income, mm -hmm. and uh, and also with that my insurance benefits. Mm -hmm. uh, two kids under the age of two, so it was it was it was a lot of faith involved in that. Mm -hmm. A lot of faith, and and at every turn, I was I was just thinking, I don't know how we're going to make this work, but. Uh, wow. We just took it little by little, and there was a lot of faith. There was a lot of conversations throughout those early years where I would start to lose my faith in it because things were just sure. so strained mm. financially that he would just sit me down when I get to that place and just say, I think, 
I really think I can do this. Just please don't give up on me. I I really, I can do it. He never, at least to me, and it probably was just to make me feel better, but he always came off as he felt very strongly that this was going to happen at some point and he's not given up. I still think that. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. He can make a success of himself. I've experienced that. So, you know, yeah. in, in those early days, you know, when you're taking on cost and taking that risk, which is always some of the scariest times, especially when you're actually then like Maureen letting go of the stability of insurance in her career. Um, you know, Matt, I've heard you say fail fast. Was there ever times in the early days where it's like, well, we better call an audible on that decision because it didn't work and you had to pivot quick because uh, you realized you did fail fast? Any moments of those that happening? Well, Sure, probably. I, you know, I should probably clarify. Uh, I have sort of a love-hate relationship with the phrase "fail fast." Uh, if if I were a complete believer in that philosophy, mm. Rocket IT would not exist. You know, if if at, in the first half uh, of the organization's life, if I had given up and thrown in the towel, yep, this organization wouldn't exist. And there has been uh, at least one time where it probably would have been easier to just close the office and do something different, whether I you know, take a job and you know, something I very seriously considered at uh, one or two points in, in my career at Rocket IT, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, close the business and start up another business uh, you know, next, the next day. Yeah. Would have been easier. And so... Uh, I see so many startups these days where that's the mantra and that's a goal. That's a key goal is, uh, okay, get this thing running and figure out if it's going to fly or not. And to me, that conjures up this idea of, well, we're just going to throw stuff up against the wall and see if anything sticks. And uh, I don't love that. Uh, I I think it's more like, hey, you know what? Uh, You've made a commitment uh, to make something happen here. Mm -hmm. And if you believe in that commitment and you believe in your vision for what can happen, then you're going to get through thick and thin in order to see it through, to cause it to come to fruition. And so on one hand, yes, I totally agree. Look, if something's completely not working, then fine, throw it out the window and try something different. But I believe that with ideas, I don't necessarily believe that with businesses. Sure. Right. I think that if, you know, you've got strategies and tactics, and I think you should believe in and stick with your uh, strategy and your goal and your purpose. But I think if your tactics aren't working, then toss it and try something different. That's uh, certainly the case. But, you know, and to give you an example of the pivoting idea and where that's happened, for those that, that uh, maybe aren't as familiar with Rocket IT, uh, we don't build and sell phone PCs anymore. You know, that was the original business idea. Right, right. Threw, threw that out of the window uh, in the uh, mid-90s, <laughs> early early on. And we really pivoted towards being more of a service-oriented organization. And so that wasn't, you know, fail the business and start a new business. That was adapt, right? Make changes to the existing business and keep the people that uh, you work with and keep the commitment that you have to your customers and your community and to see it through. But we're going to take a little bit of a different of attack in order to add value and, and uh, keep that business running. And so there's that kind of pivot. And then there, is, there have been you know, at least one major pivot in the way that we delivered those services over the years. Uh, early on, we sold time by the hour. That's kind of how 
a lot of consultants work, and that's how we worked uh, early on. And so if you need a uh, computer consultant, you would call us up and say, hey, I need a computer tech out here to come help with X, Y, or Z. And we'd run out and we would take care of whatever it is that uh, we were hired to do. And then we would give them a bill for the amount of time we were there at the end of the day. Mm. And uh, it's a very long story. I could probably do an entire podcast uh, on just that topic. But, so I'll try and make it short. But uh, I realized that that is not a win-win proposition, selling time by the hour. And I know a lot of industries still work that way. You know, your, your plumber is probably going to charge you by the hour. Your yeah, lawyer is yeah. probably going to charge you by the hour. Yeah. But for us, we felt like if we're charging by the hour in a weird sort of perverted way, you're almost incented to have problems that way. Sure. You know, you're incented for it to take a long time because you literally get paid more mm-hmm. if it takes a long time mm-hmm. to fix the problem yep. or if there are a lot of problems. And I wanted a business that's incented for uh, having a, a good experience. And so a major pivot that we did uh, early on was a pivot towards what I call subscription services, where basically you pay a monthly fee that's roughly tied to the size and complexity of your organization. Yep. And we make sure everything runs smoothly. And if it doesn't, then we're on the hook. We're the we're the ones that come to the rescue and have to spend a lot of time and, and money to make it right. And I think that's the correct way to do it. Uh, so that's another example of a pivot that we've uh, we made early on that I think has benefited both people that we serve, but also uh, our team and the people that we work with here. So this topic will come back up when we actually start talking about like the growth and staying relevant. But I think it's also relevant to your 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 obstacles phase, your challenges phase. You've you've always been about relationship, and really, like mm-hmm. you just said, the the experience of the client. And I don't want to build the client by the hour. I want to build that client toward an experience and, and achieve mm-hmm. that experience. How did that, do you think that had impact in terms of um, minimizing the obstacles like, or getting you farther along faster because that was your approach relative to other people in your industry? Yeah, I think so. And some, in some ways, uh, I think, you know, there are probably a couple of things we could touch on there. One, one is, is I think that it's really important to kind of figure out what gets you out of bed in the morning. Yeah. You know, what, what is it that uh, sort of drives you? And so for us, you know, figuring out what our purpose is beyond just, hey, you know, you, you've got a mission, which is what, and you've got a purpose, which is why. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, your mission says, hey, you know, we're going to provide a great experience with computers for businesses, that sort of thing. A purpose is that that calling that we all have Mm -hmm. uh, to act. And so kind of figuring out our purpose early on, which is helping people thrive, was was and remains very critical to uh, our operations. Understanding why we get out of bed and why we do what we do helps us do that well. And if there's ever a question about, uh, you know, a particular situation, you know, whether we ought to move left or right, uh, how we might support somebody in uh, in their uh, business or what we're doing in the community. If we kind of go back to what that purpose is of helping people thrive, that helps clarify sure. the direction that we should go. And so I think that part of it is uh, is super important. There was a there was a second part of that uh, that that I was going to touch on, and I lost. I got so excited about the, well, the purpose. Well, in, in the challenging phase back in that day, were a lot of I guess your competitors were they more about the what 
I mean, were you more the visionary that could so, see the why and the purpose and they were still doing the what, the hourly charging? No, I, I, I wish, I wish that, you know, the day that I started my business, I knew what the purpose was, but mm. it didn't come until much later and, you know, bring up the challenges part of that. I do want to complete that second thought while it's still on my sure, mind. Sure. Uh, and then we kind of come back to that if you don't mind. Yeah. But the other part of that is if, if you are, this is, I think this has improved over the years, but uh, certainly early on in, uh, in Rocket IT's history, you could tell a computer tech or a geek yeah. just about by walking down the street. Like you didn't have to open your mouth. You could tell, you know, you, and you got the proverbial pocket protector and, you know, whatever, uh, the, 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 the garb yeah, sure. <laughs> costume yeah. that we would wear, right? Yep. So, there's a difference between people that are interested in the computer and what's on the screen and people that are interested in other humans. There is a key differentiator there. And so a lot of us, and this, and I'm in this boat, so I'm not trying to point my finger at anyone else, but a lot of us got into the technology business because we're fascinated by technology. Mm-hmm. You know, not many of us get into the technology business because we love other people. You know, I'm an introverted person that, you know, is fascinated by technology. I told you that earlier. Yep. I didn't figure out that I liked people until later. Uh, you know, that's, that's the truth, right? It wasn't until years later when I had started hiring people. Uh, so this is, you know, post 2003 when I moved out of the house and started hiring folks and had some tough experiences through that. And I think it was a big surprise to me. In retrospect, it shouldn't have been, but it was a huge surprise to me at the time. Uh, that uh, we could go hire other people and bring them into the uh, office and they weren't as fired up about doing a great job and serving people as I was. And so we had some, some negative experiences in there and a lot of learning experiences through that of uh, hiring best practices, leadership, best practices, uh, mentorship, best practices, you know, lots of stuff. And almost all of those problems were, you know, if I wanted to know who was responsible, I could just go home and look in the mirror because it was, you know, it was me. Uh, but you did learn through that experience. And what I finally realized is if I wanted to find other people that were really kind of as fired up as I was of doing a great job and providing great customer service, then I needed to identify what is the trait that makes, makes me different than the next computer geek. Yeah. And it was really a, uh, a search through that process. And it took a while, you know, it took months of uh, sitting down and really kind of thinking through what makes me tick. Why do I get out of bed in the morning? Uh, what makes me feel successful? Uh, and over time I was able to figure out, you know what? I, I think what, when I feel really best about myself is when I feel like I've made a significant impact in someone else's life. Uh, and, uh, you know, bonus if it's a positive one, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I guess, <laughs> yeah. So that that was that's a big thing that I think helped get us to the point where we could figure out what our uh, driving purpose was. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a key differentiator from maybe the next guy uh, or gal down the street uh, running running their business. So you know that really kind of plays into growing this business now and what your future is because. You know, I know a lot about Rock, and I know you guys. I know your clients, and everybody sees you in the way you just explained yourself. You are as much a relationship company as you are a tech company, right? So, um, perhaps maybe that is part of what got you out of that obstacle challenging phase and maybe into a brand of what Rock it is. So, 
as you look toward the future, what are some of the things you have in your pocket? Like you're very community involved, which, you know, you and I've talked on the side, you and I are both more into the introverted category. That's a, that's a challenge for you, but you don't let that challenge hold you back. You guys are both out there. You're in the community. You're involved. How are you playing that into actually maybe uh, growing the business and staying relevant in the, uh, the times that we're in? Well, I would say, yes, absolutely. Over the years, we have uh, grown our business and uh, extended our reach into the community through relationships. And, you know, at some point, I think a lot of people, and I'm in this camp, realize that uh, maybe the uh, key to life here on earth is uh, relationships, right? Relationships with our fellow human, mm. our neighbors, yeah. uh, our customers, uh, people that we work with. Mm -hmm. So our team, you know, kids, all of those things, that's, that's, at least that's what gets me fired up. And I think that's true for a lot of people. So if you're going to, if you realize at some point, you know what, I feel like what I have to contribute is uh, helping other people be successful. Well, then you kind of figure out, gosh, I need to meet as many people as I can and look for those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't come about every day. Yep. Uh, not everyone is in a place where they want or need help or are open to receiving it. Yep. But if you are out in the community expressing interest in others, lots and lots of opportunities are uncovered uh, in that. And so one of the things that I've tried to do as I've built the business is to uh, get out into the community and get to know as many people well yep. as I can. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I'm not crazy about superficial relationships. Uh, you know, I have a tough time in a crowded room, yep. but uh, in small groups and one-to-one, -one, uh, I can go deep and really get to know people a little bit and allow them to get to know me better. And all kinds of opportunities come out of that. Uh, opportunities to help one another, opportunities to add value to one another, uh, and business opportunities uh, certainly come out of that as, as well. So one thing that Maureen and I have worked hard at uh, over the years is, you know, how do we uh, create a, uh, a business and a lifestyle that is very autonomous and a team that feels empowered and authorized to run the day-to-day -day business, uh, which frees us up uh, in our personal lives uh, to spend more time with others and to do things in the community and to uh, spend time with one another and travel and that sort of thing. Yeah. When I think about the future of the business, there are a few things that are very, very interesting to me. I am very, very interested in the people around me winning, you know, I want, I want them to experience many of the same benefits of entrepreneurship and uh, working in a great business that I enjoy and Maureen enjoys. And so we try to create an environment here at Rocket IT where uh, everyone is very clear on why we're here and what we're trying to do and how uh, their role contributes to that, uh, to that goal and, and that vision. And so that's an important part of it. And as I look forward, I want more of that. Yeah, I want I want folks to feel very empowered. I imagine a day that uh, Rocket IT will run without Maureen and me. And my job right now is to ensure that that's a successful experience for everyone involved. And that's the team and that's our customers and that's community. And so we're building a 
platform, if you will, to uh, enable that success and to set that foundation up so that uh, it can happen. I'd sometimes tell folks years ago, and I don't remember how many years ago, probably, I don't know, seven, 10 years ago, I wrote an article for our blog, uh, which is still out there somewhere if you want to go look it up on Rocket IT's website about the 100-year business plan. Mm -hmm. And what I was thinking about at that time was you hear about some of these businesses that have been around for 100 years or more, and what did they do foundationally in order to set the business up for that kind of success. Yep. And you don't get far into that thought process where you realize, well, one thing that has to happen is there has to be a transition from me as the CEO to somebody else as the CEO. You know, the business has to be able, if it's going to reach its 100th anniversary, you remember I started the business when I was 25 years old, uh, I'd be 125. Uh, probably not going to be here to see that. Yeah. And so necessarily... At some point, the business must transition from Matt Hyatt is here every day to Matt Hyatt is never here, yep. uh, right? It just has to happen. And so part of my goal is to make sure that while I am a steward of this company, and that's what I am, I'm a steward of this organization, I need to make sure that I'm laying the foundation and putting the people and processes and systems in place that enable the business to run without my help. And when that occurs, well, then Maureen and I are free to sail off into the sunset and the team is free to uh, to take over the reins and become the next stewards of Rocket IT. And so that's a big part of what we're trying to accomplish. And I see, you know, I don't know that that transition is imminent, but I bet, bet it's not terribly long. I don't think we're going to have this conversation again in 25 more years. Right. At some point, that transition will happen. And uh, and I see that in our future. And I fully expect that that's going to be a successful run because I I know that this team is capable of running this business without my help. So I got to go off script and and uh, and ask you this, because this is a script. I didn't get a copy <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I've worked with a lot of leaders. I think in principle, succession planning and building the bench is a sound principle that everybody understands and gets. Mm-hmm. But understanding and getting versus actually doing are two different things. Um, you've just kind of told us how you're doing it, which is very clear. But what I've also seen in you that I don't see in a lot of leaders that I work with is that you've been able to maintain your own health. And I'm not literally talking about physical health. I'm talking about Hyatt's, and this is morning too, your overall well-being <laughs> mm-hmm. as you let go which we've already heard about all your obstacles and all that you lived through. I can only imagine like when you're empowering other people, letting go, not micromanaging, not poking and prodding is not easy. And eventually you're talking about moving on. Mm -hmm. So how have you two taken care of yourself? And I'm not, again, it's not a physical thing. It's just an overall well-being thing as you basically multiply into other people. How do you how do you do that? I think a lot of people can't, and that's what holds them. Maureen, you want to hop in here? It's definitely a process. It's taken little steps at a time and see how it feels and see how it works and making sure that it works for people on the other side of us and, and for us. Maybe a series of little pilots? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think you just kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit, and then you go a little bit further, and you just you just constantly kind of check in on where we are. How does this feel? How does this feel to the other people? How do they feel about having more responsibility and their contribution? Um, and then you just kind of go from there and, and see where it leads. Well, absolutely. And, you know, the three of us on this call are uh, our parents. Yeah. And so we all experience this, right? You know, we raise our kids and set them off into the world and there's a gradual letting go process and there's some faith in that and trust. And, uh, you know, certainly there are uh, sometimes uh, um, mistakes and setbacks uh, and you kind of get through that and, and move on. But, you know, that is certainly one of the early things that I had to kind of figure out when I was hiring people is that you've got to trust folks to figure things out and be okay with people making mistakes. If you're not okay with people making mistakes, then you are relegated to always doing the work yourself. You're going to be, you know, tied to your business forever if you're the only one that can do certain things. Yeah. And I know that I didn't want that for myself, mm -hmm. and I didn't want that for my team. And certainly, there is a little, you know, certainly there are lots of opportunities, right, where you try things in small ways and see how it goes. But I think a bigger part of it. An important part of it, that is, is you just have got to allow people to make mistakes and believe that they're just that. Yeah. They're, if, if, you're, if you've hired folks and you're helping to mentor and develop folks that are similarly wired and after the same purpose, then you don't have to worry too much about motive when it comes to mistakes. You're just worried about training and uh, making sure that we're pointing in the right direction. Mm, that's big. Uh, and so the job becomes not so much of, oh, my gosh, you made this mistake. What were you thinking? Uh, well, that didn't work, did it? I've made that mistake seven times myself. And here's what I did differently that kind of got me out of that rut. And then just redirecting folks and giving them a, some tools to kind of get back on the right path. But there's a there's a little bit of faith and trust there that says, you know what? I'm not going to automatically assume that this person made this mistake on purpose uh, or this person was being malicious somehow. Yeah. I'm going to automatically assume that this person is uh, trying to do the right thing and made the best decision that they could at the time and it happened to be the wrong one. Man, if I had a dollar for every time I made a mistake, I'd be way richer than I am now because uh, you know you learn that way and I've made plenty of mistakes. Yep. I make mistakes every day. Yep. So I think a, a part of it is just uh, you know trust and confidence that people are really trying to do the right thing and they're just helping them find their path towards yep. that. That's all they, they need. Here, here, I'll tell you a little side story real quick that I think might shed some light on this. I've, I've got a buddy of mine that uh, worked uh, for himself, uh, one person business out of his house for, for years. And eventually he sold that business and he went to work uh, for a, an organization. And at that organization, he uh, ended up with a management role, which you can imagine how that would happen. Hey, you ran your own business. You must be a manager. Yeah. Uh, so he ended up in a management role and had not one, but two assistants, which is amazing. And so he was in this role for a while. Uh, I bet he'd been working there for a year with these two assistants. And he and I were sitting down one day and he said, hey, Matt, I want to tell you something. He said, I think I finally figured out the assistant thing. And I said, oh, yeah, what you, would you figure out? And he said, if there's something that I can do and they can do, they're going to do it. I'm not going to do it. 
And that is one example of letting things go, right? If, if this person, if you've got two people, the organization can do things, then uh, let's delegate that to, uh, to the assistant and let them do it. Yeah. And be okay with if they don't do it exactly the way that you would have every time. And that is so smart. That is exactly the way to do it. And so I have been very, very focused for years now on making sure that there's nothing in the business that only I can do, uh, that everything in the business can be done by other people, and then allowing them to do that. And guess what? You know, Maureen said it's, it's true, and this is true. This is a very slow process, right? This is something that for us took years, but it's a rapidly changing process. And so I tell people, if you, some, I always kind of thought, well, here's what it's going to look like. This is going to be like pushing a big boulder over a, a small hill. That is going to be really hard at first, and you're going to push and push and push and push. And then gradually, as you got sort of the crest of the hill, it would get a little bit easier. And then on the other side, it would begin to roll slowly, and eventually it would just flying down the hill. Well, it wasn't like that at all. The way that it was is pushing a, a boulder over a seesaw. Yes, very difficult on the front end to kind of get it to the, to the midpoint of the seesaw. But you get a few inches on that other end. It doesn't just gradually start rolling. It's, you know, all at once, everything just move over. Yeah. And so it's been years now, but uh, uh, several years ago, uh, we reached the other end of that uh, seesaw on the other end of the fulcrum where it just went one. And all of a sudden, the team is carrying the day-to-day business and there's nothing left in the business. There are very few things left in the business that require me personally to be here to do those things. And so I all of a sudden ended up with a team that's humming and running and feeling empowered and authorized and uh, equipped uh, to run virtually every aspect of the day-to-day business. And it's no longer, not only is it no longer necessary for me to be here every moment of every day to do things, but I can, I can be in the way. <laughs> I can be a pest. <laughs> yeah. And so we've reached a point in the business now where you know, I come in at certain times and, and there are uh, certain things that I still do. And most of that is around mentoring uh, and working with, uh, with my leadership team. But uh, the day-to-day actions of the business, the tasks of the business are carried by other people in the organization. And eventually, I'll give away that mentorship stuff too. And someone else will inherit, you know, other people will inherit those, those responsibilities. And then I won't be needed at yeah. all. And we were to go sail off into the ocean someday. Well, I tell you what, to hear all that, and I don't know what our listeners are hearing, but I'll say I'm hearing two key things from this. And this isn't me being agendified and trying to do a rocket commercial. I'm literally learning with all of our listeners out there. You seem to be a leader that is actually prioritizing relationship as much as objective. So you can have the objective of saying, I'm not going to be the only one that can only do this thing in my business. That's a very objective answer. So I'm going to make sure that the people that work for me can can run this place. So I'm not just the one. But the way you mm-hmm. execute is, and I heard you say something to the extent of like values or your people trust you as much as you trust them. And I have to believe that that has sped up the delegation or the multiplication because there isn't fear. There's a lot of psychological safety between your team and you where if there is worry, it's not held in, it's addressed and it's you get past that so that you're raising not just the competence of your team, 
but the relational chemistry inside your team uh, that is your culture. And that's what I'm hearing. And, and, and so like, if I'm talking about Matt Hyatt and one of my clients now, I can say, I know a guy that does this. That's really what he does really well. And that's what Maureen backs him in doing. And I think a lot of leaders out there don't do that. They're one or the other. So that's just a, well, an interviewer opinion. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And, and, uh, you know, I, I'd say, uh, I'll say this, it, it's a learned behavior yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, I, it wasn't something that uh, I figured out when I was 25 or 30 or even 35, I don't think. You know, it's something that I've learned over time. And I 100% believe that uh, other people can learn that too. And it's just a matter of just really being thoughtful and uh, intentional about designing your business and designing your life. And so I think it's important for each of our team members to design their lives around what they want to accomplish. And, uh, and I hope that uh, Rocket IT continues to be part of that story uh, moving forward. Maureen's been awfully quiet back here. And, you know, and she's even literally seated behind me just a little bit. But I, I think it's important to point out how critical she has been to this entire process. This is not just Matt Hyatt uh, running a business. This is uh, Matt supported by Maureen to make things happen. And there's been an extraordinary amount of patience and support in that because it, you know, we've shared with you a tiny, tiny glimpse into the effort required to get a business off the ground sure. and get it running. Mm -hmm. And all of that in the, um, through the lens of, the uh, growth and maturity of its CEO. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it would not have been possible at all for me to build this business without Maureen by my side. And, uh, and I think that's really important. People know that if you are lucky enough to have a partner in life and the two of you can uh, combine your talents and uh, capabilities and personalities to uh, kind of push in the same direction and be for the same yeah. things. It's uh, amazing what can be accomplished. Yeah. And certainly that's part of the story here. I also think it's important that people know that, uh, you know, it's, it will, I gave up on perfection a long time ago. Uh, I pursue excellence instead. And I'm okay with, uh, from time to time, falling short of that goal. If, if we had arrived at that goal, and I don't think you can arrive at uh, you know, getting better, right? If your goal is to get better, uh, you, there's always a little room to get sure. better. I don't think there's, I don't think you reach perfection, but I think you can pursue improvement. Yeah. It, you know, I want people to know that we still have challenges in our business. We still have uh, people issues in our business that we have to work through. I still make mistakes. My team still makes mistakes. I think we were a really great business, and I think we do a good job. But I also don't want people to think that it's perfect. It's not. Uh, it's excellent. And I think it will get excellent -er, uh, with time. Well said. So Thanks. let's close it out with some thoughts then. Like, what would be one person in your life that's really had a profound mm -hmm. impact on you? Maybe you just told us. Uh, well, that's the easy yeah, answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I hope, I hope we get to both answer this question because I'd, I'd like to. Please do. Yeah. To say, but, you know, it's, I'm going to go beyond Maureen because I've already talked about her and, and you know she's a key part of the yep. story. But I do want to uh, uh, shed light on a, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Gordon Fuller. 
Gordon was the guy that hired me at that little computer company when I moved to Atlanta. Wow. Uh, he, he uh, uh, you know, at that time, I probably 22 or so, uh, he had the confidence and faith in me to kind of take a chance on a guy that had really very little experience and just shown up on his doorstep looking for a job. And uh, took me under his wing. And when he learned that, uh, that you know, I was here in Atlanta and didn't have any friends or family here yet, he really leaned into me. And uh, he brought me into his family, introduced me to his wife and his kids. He got me into church, took me to the, to the gym. And he was a, just a terrific mentor. He was a guy that uh, uh, he was always, I could tell, he was just for me. He wanted to see me succeed, and he invested his time and talent into me, and that made a huge difference in my life. Uh, and uh, you know, Gordon is still a friend today. We celebrated, as you point, mentioned earlier, celebrated 25 years uh, this yeah. year, and so we had a big open house here at our offices in, in Swanee, and Gordon was there uh, with uh, with his adult daughter and uh, and her little kid come into our open house and how cool yeah, is that that's He's very cool part of the life uh, you know all these years but he made a huge difference uh, in my life and i'll forever be grateful to him for that i love it that's great so maureen i want to hear who's your person well we've talked about this not even too terribly long ago i'm a forgetful dude well, but it, it was kind of a fluid conversation. I think probably I would have to say going back to a boss I had back in Florida when I had my first career job in ophthalmology in Tampa and one of the doctors I worked very closely with, his name was Raymond Seaver. And it was just having somebody who was just so interested in how you were progressing with your career, with your personal life, and just so supportive. And, you know, my parents are supportive, but parents are always worried about something and they kind of try and push you in certain directions and maybe you don't want to go that way. But to have somebody who was just 100% for me and being encouraging and he was someone who was... um, adventurous and he was all about new experiences and trying new things. And sometimes I just go sit in his office and we just have a little chit chat and he'd be talking about all these different things he's doing. He got me working out and just, just doing all kinds of things and encouraging my furthering my education in ophthalmology, which ultimately led me to Emory here in Atlanta when I moved up here. So I think he was early on, he was huge, but um, I just want to, sidestep because there's a book that I read and it's it's kind of a funny book because it's it's almost childlike but it's called when did the good things start and that was a huge awakening for me because it was about you're not happy you're you're not satisfied in what you're doing what are you waiting for it's not going to come to you it's not going to happen to you you have got to be proactive and go after what, what you want, what your goals are. And that was huge for me because just reading that book, and it's a funny book because it's it <laughs> it bases everything on the Peanuts characters. <laughs> There's a lot of cartoons in this book, but I've given it to several friends because it's, it's very easy read, yeah. but it kind of compares the personalities of the characters in that book and how they 
their personality types respond to certain things. But that book made me realize that I was just kind of treading water and I needed to actually make something happen. And that changed everything to me for me because I moved out of my parents' house, got my own place, got my big job, and eventually led me to my dream job at Emory here in Atlanta in 1992. So um, just things like that. And and I'm, I, I love reading. Yeah. One book that Matt and I read early on was The Millionaire Next Door. Mm -hmm. That's huge for us. And that really helped us out a lot, too, in the years of when finances were really tough in the early on. And I tell you what, if you when you're in that situation and, and as an entrepreneur and, and as a stay at home mom and you just, you know, all the money you make is just funnels right back into the yeah. business. You just everything goes into the business. Is just you can always squeeze a little bit tighter. Mm. And we had to do that over and over again. When you think, look, we are bare bones here. There's somewhere you can just squeeze a little bit tighter when you have to. Um, and it just it's just more about figuring out what you have to do to kind of sustain for a while until you can start building things up again. So there's a lot of, mm. you know, I'm sure all of us can point to a lot of things that influenced how we changed our lives in some way. So Maureen, you've kind of, you guys have kind of taken that to heart, I think, because you guys are pretty much have always remained debt free as it, as it relates to. Oh, not always. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you've, you've, I guess you've strived so to get back to, if you've had to go into the hole, you, that's always remained the priority. If I remember correctly with you guys in running the business. You know, it's uh, a lot less fun to be in that hole. And we were, we were, we were deep in the hole. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I think it's, yeah, I want to make sure that uh, we're clear there. We, we spent a lot of years in debt and uh, uh, and now we've spent a lot of years not in debt. And so I've tried them both and I like not in debt. <laughs> Would you say that's one of your bigger lessons then, like that you guys have learned or? I, you know. It, it's an uphill battle when you're, I mean, we were, it was, it was very rough. I mean, there were times, you know, when you have a payroll, mm -hmm. And you have people working for you and you are little, I mean, if Matt doesn't mind me saying it, we're, we're pretty transparent about it, but it would be the end of the week. And this is how much money came in. And what do we absolutely have to put in our checking account so that we can pay the bills and feed the family for a week. And mm. that is exactly how much we would put in our checking account because everything else went to the business. Mm -hmm. And there were times where I was running to the bank at 4.45 p.m. because we needed to make payroll and we had to drain all of our savings or take out a huge cash advance, on a, cash advance on a credit card, card just, to, <laughs> just to pay our people. Wow. Yeah. And we're still like, okay, that leaves us a hundred bucks right. for the week. But um, it was, it was, it was rough, but this feels better. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is important. I don't think all debt is bad. I think that uh, yeah. that can be good. I think it's, you know, it's very important to handle all debt or good or bad responsibly. And I have, you know, Maureen said uh, earlier, but there's there's good debt and, and, and bad debt. Right. And so uh, I think essentially good good debt is uh, funds, things that are going to make you money uh, or are going to allow you to carry out yeah. uh, a vision yeah. for something that produces, uh, whether it produces income or uh, cash flow or revenue or 
or something good in the world, right? I think that there are things like that where it's worth having debt and uh, and paying interest on that debt. You know, this building that we're sitting on in right now uh, is an investment, uh, and it's financed in part with debt. And I think that's a that's a good, positive, healthy thing. Uh, bad debt comes from borrowing money to pay for things that you want and don't need, uh, and that's where that comes from. And so, uh, you know, I think the there were a lot of years uh, early, early on where most of my debt was created by stuff that I wanted and didn't need. And then there were a lot of years in the middle where, uh, you know, we're getting the business off the ground and supporting the family where it was debt that we needed in order to uh, uh, make the business run. And I'm so glad that we were able to uh, get through that and pay for yeah. it. And it was not cheap uh, and it was not uh, stressless, but I think it's, you know, in retrospect, Thank goodness we did it because we wouldn't be here if we didn't. Use there was that, a, that. so much education in that and so much mm-hmm. growth. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. It was very uncomfortable, but man, we learned so many lessons. We, did. we learned so much that it's helped us get to this point where we are now. It was, uh, so once, was good. once you kind of get through that, uh, you know, startup phase of really kind of getting the business off the ground and you got something that's uh, that's running. I think it's really important to uh, ditch the debt and uh, and replace that with uh, cash in the bank. Uh, and uh, to the extent that you can get there, uh, and you've got a cash flowing business and, and money in the bank, and you're not burdened by debt anymore. That really is the fuel that you can use to uh, to continue to grow the business and do that and still sleep comfortably at night. Uh, and so I wouldn't say that we've always been debt adverse yep. and I'm still not completely debt adverse, but I am very much averse to debt created by things that you want. I don't want to borrow money for things that I want. I want to borrow money for things that uh, create value and, and things that I need. That's gold. Well, guys, I got to tell you, I mean, you know me, I got a business as well. And I have, very thoroughly enjoyed this experience this morning because, you know, while many listeners out there might think, well, this is a guy that knows them and is just going to follow the script. I have been part of the listening audience. I am the first listener to this podcast because I'm taking a lot of what I heard today to heart. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners out there have as well. So I want to, I want to thank you guys for this honor to, to have been able to fill in as the guest host and listen to all these gold nuggets I want to say to all your listeners out there, if you have any suggestions on future topics or you would want to hear more about the Hyatt's experience, email them at podcasts at Rocket IT. And in the meantime, to learn more about Rocket IT and its services, just visit rocketit.com because I will tell you, the more you get to know about Rocket IT, the more you will see that what you heard on this podcast is lived out in that business. And I think that is a really cool thing. So guys, I really do once again, want to thank you. And um, I can't wait to hear this out there online. <laughs> thank you, Dan. <laughs> we really Dan. appreciate you coming in here and right. uh, kind of taking over the uh, uh, host microphone <laughs> and uh, you've done a great job. I see, uh, uh, already that I'm not really needed in this anymore. You've got it. If you want to keep running with it, this is, this is good. Uh, great job. So thank, thank you, Dan. It's my pleasure. You. It was a blast. Thank you guys.